To support this podcast and the entire PS universe, go to paypal.me slash positive sarcasm. You can donate any amount. Any amount is appreciated. Also, be advised that this episode contains strong language. Not suitable for anybody under the age of, well, that's up to you. Anyways, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. Are you trying to get crazy with us, dude? Don't you know I'm loco? Right now, you can lease the all-new Subaru LGBTQ RS Plus for $249 a month, which is $1,500 due at signing, and comes with a free tow hitch so you can take your safe space with you wherever you plan to protest. <laughs> Subaru, prepare to be triggered. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Jay here, PositiveSarcasm.com. You can contact me there. You can donate to me there. Instagram, uh, Positive underscore Sarcasm. Facebook.com slash Positive Sarcasm. Twitter at POS Sarcasm. Uh, LinkedIn, uh, yeah, I'm on there too. Uh, still no Snapchat. Did you see Snapchat recently? Anybody paying attention? Anybody, uh, in the market? Anybody bullish? Anybody bearish? You know, on the stock market? Uh, in case you haven't noticed, uh, Snapchat's taking a beating. Um, oh, and, and just let you know, uh, I just finished my bowl of soup. Had some peanut butter with some 90% dark chocolate just to get uh, my brain functions going. Got an iced coffee here uh, right now. It is like 80-something degrees. I am sweating my ass off here on my first live stream on Twitch. I thought about if I was going to be doing um, eh, malfunction. I was thinking about whether I was going to be doing Facebook live stream, YouTube live stream, or Twitch, but I think Twitch would be the best approach at this time. Actually, I'm going to adjust the, uh, I'm adjust the video just a little bit, just a, just a hair. Just a hair. Speaking of hair, my hair could use some work right now. Not that I'm going bald or anything. I'm just saying, like, it's the, the front's a little out of whack. Um, so, anyways, let me get right up on this mic. Um, got a little bit of a cough, too. I had a sore throat this week, but probably from that flu shot I got. But I'm feeling much better now. I know. Thank you for asking. So, so good to know that you guys are there with me every step of the way. I mean, where would I be without you? Same place. Um, yeah. Uh, pff. shit, man. Fuck it. So it's like eighty something degrees out right now, and I, I'm in the podcast studio. I'm sweating my ass off because you know can't open the windows because you know them kids in their in their Honda Civics with their giant loud mufflers go by and uh, you know fucks up the ambient noise. But um, so last weekend I was figured I'd just give a quick review on what I was doing last weekend. What did we talk about? We had ninety three and ninety four for uh, weeks on the vlog. I can chat with those a little bit. Um, and then also something about, I want to talk about writing a little bit. I want to talk about, well, maybe just make a small statement about, you know, the Kavanaugh thing. Uh, nothing too crazy, but I, I just, I'll say something about it. I don't know. Fuck it. It's my podcast. Say what I want. Um, possible documentary coming up. And then something about, what is this? Chicken eggs and pussy receptors. Oh, yeah, estrogen. We're going to talk about that at the end, too. Uh, anyways, yeah, so I was thinking about – I haven't written – okay, just uh, fill you in, quick backdrop. Positive Sarcasm originally started as a writing – it was a blog that started for R-City Radio. And then I switched over to – I switched over to – once R-City Radio went defunct, I switched over to um, – what do you call it? I switched over it all over to my site. So all of my articles went over to my website. 
and I continued to write there up until about 2000. Up until about 2017, then I just stopped writing. I retired. I wrote the last, the, the finale to No Excuses, which was essentially go fuck yourself to everybody, and then I stopped writing. But I've been tinkering with a com. I've been tinkering about possibly creating a new article. Uh, let's see, I've written about 80. I'd say there's about six of them, which are just garbage. Like they don't even belong in the same category as a blog or anything like that. But they're on there, so they count. Um, but I wanted to talk about. Um, generally, I do it the way you shouldn't do it. Is I come up with the title first. So I come up with the title of the article, and then from there, I kind of tinker with uh, what would be the what would the article be about, and then I try to throw in some some jokes to kind of tie everything together, and then at the end, everybody's dumber. Um, and that's pretty much how my articles are done. So, um, let's see. It's about essentially leaving your. It's about how there's really no secrets out there anymore, per se. I mean, if I mean, all right. Let me let me backtrack this. There are no secrets anymore. Anything you do, past, present, future, somebody knows about it. Somebody can speak about it, or it's on the internet. Okay. Basically, the internet is like. It, it's basically a giant journal, and everybody's camel toe is smeared all over it. There is nothing that you have done that hasn't been recorded by the internet, whether it's through your phone, on your social media, through your security cameras, everything you do. All right. Does it mean privacy is dead? No, it doesn't mean privacy is dead. But what it does mean is that if you lie about something or if you're just not an honest person in general, it's going to come back to bite you in the ass. So if you are a person who just was careless and refuses to admit to the fact that they were careless or whatever, it's going to come back to bite you in the ass. It really is. And the longer you lie, the more of a bite in the ass it's going to be, the bigger the bite it's going to be. So my suggestion to you is if you're going to live in this new digital age where everything you do is pretty much you know, etched in stone, you better own up to it. Um, and the sooner the better. Does it mean you have to volunteer the information? No, it doesn't. But it does mean that you just need to be smarter about your decisions. And there, and the fact that if people are on their phones so goddamn much or on social media, you need to take a break. Okay? You have to understand. You ever had that feeling? This is a feeling that I get. I don't know if you guys can compare that with me. You literally say you're, you're on your phone for like an hour, and then you put your phone down for about five to ten minutes. And then all of a sudden you feel this like wave of something over, just come over you. Like, I don't know if it's anxiety or, or some type of, you just don't feel, you feel, you already felt like shit once you put your phone down, but you felt good for a second, and then you start to have these withdrawals, like you need to pick up your phone up again, you need to pick your phone up again. Look, first of all, you're not missing anything, okay? I can miss a few Dave Rubin tweets, okay? It's no big deal. Um, but we constantly have this need to constantly just go to our phones and see what's going on and scroll through Facebook. First of all, Facebook has no fucking plot anymore. None. There's nothing on Facebook anymore that absolutely means anything. There's no st story to it. There's no meaning to it. It's just, hey, I'm sharing this, or I'm liking that, or or I'm going to be here. Okay, it has its marketing purposes, but for the most part, it's not really a community, okay? It, it's just essentially a giant shit show. It has no fucking plot. It's com And I have to give kudos to Facebook for some things, like opening up a marketplace, and opening up the events, okay? Smart decision. But as far as the timeline goes, the news feed that you see from the moment you open it up 
is an absolute mass hysteria of bullshit. It, 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 and it's so cluttered, um, you can't understand it. You could scroll for hours. You just get lost in it. And I, maybe that's their point, but the fact is you just don't want to read it anymore. It's useless. Instagram is Instagram still has colors attached to it, you know, colors and pictures, and it has you can look for certain subjects and certain hashtags. So Instagram still has some of those some usefulness to it. It's still fun to look at. But if you just keep you keep scrolling, you keep scrolling, you keep scrolling, number one, you're eating up your bandwidth. Okay. Let's I mean, first of all, not all of us are running on unlimited data. All right. And quite frankly, that's not a bad thing. All right. Maybe I like to spend that extra twenty dollars, I don't know, on say gas. I don't know, say food. I don't know, say coffee. Uh, I mean, bullets. So, and, and, and following all these social medias, I have to say that you really do need to limit yourself. Uh, I understand that long-form conversation, even though it's via the internet, is definitely making a comeback, making a comeback via, via YouTube, uh, making a comeback via podcasts, making a comeback via live events. People are actually paying to go to live events now where people like Jordan Peterson and Dave Rubin and Jonathan Hyatt and Yarn Brooks are sitting down and having long-form conversations, sometimes with no Q&A, and people are paying and selling out just to hear what these guys have to say. And it makes you wonder how some of these, at the, with, with the exception of metadata and advertising, it makes you wonder how some of these social media sites can actually make money. And the reason I say that is if you, haven't, if you have been watching Snapchat right now, they're having problems uh, turning a profit. Um, and they've actually been having a problem turning a profit for the longest time. The same thing with Twitter in the very beginning. Twitter could have fallen on its face as well if it wasn't able to figure out how to turn a profit. And Twitter eventually did learn how to turn a profit, and Twitter is now a giant, giant social media platform. Um, Snapchat is not having the same success. Now, the heavy hitters in Snapchat did say that by 2019 they'll be turning a profit. But from also from what I'm hearing as well is that they're losing money rapidly. So if they don't gener generate some type of new investors or new type of income, they could end up like what Sears is about to do, and that's file for bankruptcy. Um, so – and to give you a, a, an idea of where Snapchat is now, I mean they originally opened around between 15 and $20 a share. If, I, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Right now they're sitting uh, – last week they were sitting around just under $8 a share. They've dropped another uh, 0.80 points. They're down to around $7 a share right now. I was considering uh, possibly by the end of this week putting some money into Snapchat, maybe as a – just let it sit there and see what it does. But right now I'm not so sure. If they don't, if they don't show anything positive, they could just keep dropping. However, I remember back in 2002 when Apple – was sitting at $6 a share. Think about this. Apple. In 2002, when I graduated high school, Apple was sitting at $6 per share. So think about this. Now, if, if Apple went bankrupt or just lost, continued to lose money, you put in $6 a share. Let's say you buy, I don't know, 10 shares of Apple. 10 shares at $6 a pop. So that's what? 60 bucks. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Sorry, my math is – anyways, 10, uh, 10 shares, 6 bucks a pop. You get $60 a share plus if you paid an administrative fee like 5 or $10 you know, to, the, to the broker. 
Okay. You follow me in that? Okay. Now, we might do this. On top of that, if 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 Apple at that point was to completely collapse, go bankrupt, then you'd lose all that money. Okay, that sixty bucks is gone. You're not going to get it back. There's no member FDIC. Okay, you buy stock and the stock fails, you fail. There's no fail safe. Okay, but seven to eight, seven to ten years later, each one of those stocks, because Apple rehired Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs came out with the i products, iPhones, iPad, iMac, all that stuff. These products started to take off. He developed a theme. He gathered the masses that were Apple fans, became more of a standalone product, did a redesign of the platforms in general, gave a more stable uh, uh, graphic user, user interface, a prettier graphic user interface, really learned how to appeal to the graphic designers, the photographers, and they started buying. And then, really, by 2008, 2009, Apple stocks were worth, per share, $800 for one share. And my, I could, and my memory could be wrong, but I was watching this very at a very young age. And when it, when it was at $800 per share, think about it. You bought 10, you bought 10 shares at 6 bucks a pop. Each share is now worth $800. $100. Do the math. Okay, so 800 times 10. Now it's just 10 shares. Imagine if you bought 100 shares, which wouldn't have been much back then either, at 6 bucks a pop. That wouldn't have been much. 50 shares. Sta same thing. If you would have bought, I'd say, 1000 bucks worth of Apple stock back then, Holy shit. Just a thousand bucks or five hundred bucks even. Imagine where you imagine the nest egg you'd have right now. I mean holy shit. So think about it like this. If Snapchat figures something out and you buy them at say three, four dollars a share, because maybe I in my opinion I think they're gonna keep falling. You buy a hundred dollars worth and they're like three, four, five bucks a pop. And Snapchat figures something out, they develop a new platform, they develop original content. And they start to move up a bit. I don't know how much they're going to go up. Okay, As far as I see it, I think Snapchat has a – in my opinion, because they've been kind of out of the game as far as trading for a long time. But when you see an opportunity, you always go after it. You study it a little bit, and then you go after it. But I think Snapchat would probably have a limit. They'd probably trade between maybe $20 and $25 a share, depending upon how aggressive they get, how big they get. If they get big, big, then okay. Then look out. But – if still, if you buy a three, four dollars a share, they go up to like fifteen dollars a share. You flip it, you win, because if they go up from three dollars, five dollars a share to fifteen dollars a share, you've now gained. You know, you're up what three hundred percent. That's easy cash, with very low risk. And depending upon how much money you have, and you want to turn a quick profit, you could do a short sale, turn that cash right around, and turn that frown upside down. You know, it's not like Bitcoin. Not at all. Bitcoin's, at this point, reached its ceiling. It's reached its potential. So with something like this, and if you just want to – if you want to look up this information, just simple. Just go on Google or whatever platform you use, Bing, and just look up uh, Snapchat stock. 
and you'll see the trend, how it's been trending downward. And then there'll be news uh, coverage about what it's not been able to do, why it's not performing, because it's not turning a profit, and this and that and the other thing. Learn a little bit more about stocks and trading and things like that. Because if you have a little money kicking around and you're not sure what to do with it and you're not putting it in a 401k or a Roth IRA or you're not putting it in a, 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 a CD or a bond or whatever, a high mo money market savings account or a general savings account. If, if it's just sitting there and you're not sure what to do with it and you want to see if you can turn a quick profit and you maybe want to think about investing in stocks with a little bit more risk, take a look at that. Maybe that's your thing. Maybe you like the roster of day trading. And maybe you know how to run. Maybe you know how to work with that. Granted, you may not have a much. You may not have enough money to, you know, invest in property like real estate property, but you may have enough money to dabble in day trading and get that extra cash flowing. If that's where you prefer to invest your time instead of running around and doing side gigs like I do all the time, you know. But it's an option, and it's one I'm considering. So I just wanted to put that out there. Um, but for the most part, you know, Snapchat has not done. Do they have a lot of, of subscribers, a lot of users? Yes, they do. Okay, They do have a lot. Definitely more than MySpace. Um, but they do. They have a lot of users. But that doesn't necessarily generate income. They've, 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 always, they've, always, not, they've always turned a loss. Okay, They haven't been able to capitalize on, uh, on advertising. Granted, there are some advertisers. So what's the problem? Well, that's what they're going to have to figure out. They obviously have identified it, and now they have to solve it. Otherwise, the investors are going to stop investing, or they're going to ditch everything that they're doing. They're just going to be like, all right, we're done here. We're just going to pull all our money out, and you guys go fuck yourselves. And remember, these guys, these stakeholders, these investors, they have a lot of say, and they've invested a lot of money. So they don't necessarily want to see their product. We're good. They don't necessarily want to see their product go to shit. So they're obviously going to make recommendations. They're going to try to you know, go out there and be salesmen a little bit. They want their product to succeed. They want their money to succeed. But if they're going to lose all of it, they're going to pull out. And Snapchat, without any investors, can uh, be bought. It can either be bought out by another company. Like, for example, Facebook could buy it out easily because Facebook owns Instagram. So if Facebook buys, say Facebook already owns Instagram, Instagram, and they created the Instagram uh, Stories. The Stories is essentially what is what the is the foot that Facebook put in Snapchat's ass because that's all that Snapchat was was Stories and uh, filters. The filters are a huge thing. The filters are a big deal. A lot of people use them, uh, especially gym girl uh, uh, girls at the gym. But that's all. That's all it is. They tried the Snapchat glasses thing, the spectacles. If you've ever seen those, Google Snapchat glasses. That didn't take off. I mean, it was an interesting gimmick. It had a big spurt at the beginning, and then it just died. So they've never been really been able to take off. You know, they don't have that Pokemon Go type of, you know, people going crazy all over the place. It's like, no, it's there's no investors and there's no money coming in you can't support the platform therefore the platform fails or facebook buys it out and and, integ and integrates it into instagram or whatever or just kills the platform altogether and if it does that well that's a good question actually if it does that let's say that snapchat dies if snapchat well if snapchat dies 
Well, that's the end of it. People will go back to, you know, Facebook or they'll go on Twitter or they'll go on Twitch. You know, they'll go on some type of platform. Vine, Vine died. Google Plus is dead. Uh, uh, Friendster died, but Friendster and MySpace. Let's not even talk about Friendster. Those, all those platforms, you know, took a dive. They're all gone. What would happen if Facebook tried to kill off Snapchat? Which, believe me, it's been trying to do. Would there be a backlash against Facebook? I don't know. I'm just trying to shoot out these possibilities to see what is actually more reality. But there would be a lot of people out there, a lot, that they want to get their face out there immediately. And the until Instagram show until Instagram show stories <laughs> stories until Instagram stories showed up, Snapchat was the main go to. You had your seven seconds, you show your tits, and then you go back to what you were doing. Probably being a secretary in a nurse's office. Um so that's where that's at. So if you want, go take a look at Snapchat, check out their stock, see where it's at, consider investing if there is anything worth investing in. Because if they don't have a promising 2019, say goodbye. Uh, so last two weekends have been interesting. I got a phone call from Laura Barker. She was She's the lead singer. She's the lead singer of Hero Pub. Ladies and gentlemen, Hero Pub. Wow! Um, she is the owner? Founder. Yeah, not the owner. I own you. She is the founder of Hero Pubs. It's a 501c nonprofit, a legit nonprofit. Okay, you know it's not like they fucking go out there and you know have all kinds of administrative fees and whatnot. No, they're like a legit. You know, they go out, they get rescue dogs, they they quarantine them, they train them. Uh, even the flunkies go to good homes, but then they end up getting paired with uh, you know first responders and veterans, military veterans. Um, really, really cool. And I haven't worked with them for a while. Um, if you haven't seen week 79 of my vlog on YouTube, go to Positive Sarcasm on uh, YouTube. And uh, you can look up week 79. It was called Star Spangled Supernova. And that was the last time I worked with them. And I'm on week 95 now. Working, well, next weekend will be. Will be. So I haven't worked with them for a little, little while now. So she gives me a quick text. I shoot her a call. Apparently they were having some brew fest thingy down, not a brew fest, but like a little thing down at Cisco Breweries down in Portsmouth. I show up. Now, was were the people really nice there? Yes. Did Hero Pup steal the show? Absolutely, because they brought these two sister dogs, these two little labs down there. Uh, one of them is going to be a she's going to be a Hero Pup, so she's going to go through the stages. She's going to get trained. She's going to get tested, and then eventually she's going to go to somebody who really really needs her. And uh, she's going to do her part. I believe it's Indy. who Her name is Independence. She's going to be um, an HP dog. The other one, uh, Liberty, I believe it is, she has been commissioned by um, the state of New Hampshire's uh, – well, well, the capital of New Hampshire, so Concord Police Department, is going to be taking her in. And she's going to be a therapy-like dog for victims. So – and how many people live in – Concord, 50,000. So they got Concord Hospital. They got a bunch of other facilities there. They have trauma units. So she's going to be this little star in Concord running around with little Concord PD badge on her. She's got a little vest and everything. She was a sweetie. So they were there. They're destined for this. You can see that in week 90. It's week 93. Uh, it's called Labradorable. <laughs> I made that up myself. Um, but for the most part, it was a very small event. It was. It, it seemed like they spent too much time um, 
trying to get the governor and trying to get Greg Kretschmar of the Morning Buzz. He's a morning ra- uh, radio host uh, for WGIR and WHEB. Uh, and they just – I think they spent too much time trying to get them and s- didn't spend enough time focusing on what vendors and what events were going to be there because I think it was a little small. It was almost too small. If it, w- if it wasn't for Hero Pups and maybe the governor showing up, this event wouldn't have been a big deal at all in my opinion. And I've been to a lot of these events, so I have the right uh, at this point to critique an event and what they need to do to make it a little more successful. Number one, they need more food vendors. Now, don't get me wrong. The food vendor there was – well, they had a caterer, catering service, but they had plenty of food left over. They had a ton of food left over. So they definitely could have handled another half dozen to a dozen more vendors, sponsors, events, tents, uh, donkey shows. I don't care. But they definitely could have had a lot more stuff. They had a ton of room to work with. And I think they definitely could – and considering that they are in the international – Pease International Trade Port where all the military guys go – and they got their own airport and all that stuff. They had the National Guard. So they have, you know, they can do whatever they want in there. Okay, there's not a lot of traffic. You can get lost, but then again, everybody, we all have the Waze app now. We know where the hell we're going. But it was definitely too small. Um, I think, in, in my opinion, what, what you guys spend less time trying to get Greg Kretschmeyer and spend less time trying to get the governor. Although, don't get me wrong, they were both super nice. They were both great hospitable, all that stuff. But in my opinion, you guys could have spent a little bit more time uh, adding on some additional vendors, adding on some additional tents. Uh, Maybe if you wanted to do, instead of a catering service, you could have got food truck guys to show up. Because when you get one or two food trucks to show up, you can definitely get five or six or seven more food trucks. And then you can turn it into kind of a little festival thing where even more foodies now want to show up. and then if you wanted to f- – and since it was at a brewery, you, a brewery, you maybe could have gotten a beer permit if you wanted to. Remember, every time you add a different element, you get a different clientele. You get a different type of crowd. So obviously you want to keep that in mind. If you're doing – if there's going to be a lot of beer there, you want um, – you're going to get a certain type of crowd. Um, if you're going to get a lot of food stuff there, you're going to get a food type of crowd. So you just – it's one of those things where you have to tweak it. But get something. Because there was a there was a lot of people there, and there wasn't enough stuff for them to do. There was some stuff for the kids, but for the most part, there was mostly just grab bags and, and cheap freebies. And I think that there could have been a hell of a lot more for them to do. But that's besides the point. The Hero Pups were there. They stole the show, and that was the end of that. Um, <coughs> so I made that work. You know, I, I basically made it like a, a giant five minute promo for Hero Pups. Um, uh, as far as uh, week 94, this was an interesting one. So I was originally under the impression that this was actually going to be an air show. Well, it was, but not the type of air show I was thinking of. It was an air show that was more towards – it was an air show that was a little more mm, scaled down. There's an organization out there, 200,000 members strong, called AMA, Academy of uh, Model Aeronautics. RC airplanes, so radio controlled. But um, let's see. <laughs> Sorry, getting a text from Zach. He wants to uh, learn about uh, where he can go for uh, MMA. He wants to learn how to uh, fight like Porco. So bear with me. I'm fucking weird. Um, where was I? Oh, so week ninety four. 
that's already out. You can go up on YouTube. You can check that out. Model Airplane Association. <clears throat> These guys are actually very powerful in the Senate right now because right now the Senate has es essentially eliminated uh, what used to be open airspace. So the hobbyist section of for drone users is essentially, for the most part, gone. So it's, it's called Section 336. If you were a responsible drone hobbyist, you could just look for areas that necessarily didn't have any uh, classified airspace. Like, for example, each section, like, if you're cl the closer you get to an airport, the airspace changes. There are levels to this because you have planes that are ascending, descending. You have helicopters. You have city limits. You have private areas. You have secured areas. You have military areas. All these things that a drone flyer has to take into account when he's flying. Well, now everything is Class G. The entire airspace of the United States is now considered Class G. So you have you have to go by certain rules and regulations. Now nothing's been enforced yet. Okay, keep that in mind. So right now everything's kind of in limbo because when not there was no issue with air, with RC cars with RC planes because those guys they have AMA hosted events. They all get together. They close down a, a, a part of the airspace so that they can do their events. And some of these planes are traveling at two hundred miles per hour. Okay, they have spotters and these guys are the, some of the most responsible RC flyers you can, you can ever meet. They have spotters, they know their gear just by line of sight, and uh, they work. They spend a lot of money on their gear because you can buy a drone for three three hundred bucks easy. These guys spend th two to five thousand dollars per plane. Okay, and these things run on diesel, kerosene, electric. But mostly kerosene, with uh, and a lot of them are former or current active airline pilots. They have their FA one hundred and seven, so they can fly commercially uh, for drones. Um, they have all their certification. They're highly knowledgeable. Okay. Right now, they're in the Senate because they're the only voice. Right now, drone flyers, drone operators have. Because what you see on YouTube is very gloom and doom. You see a lot of guys, you know, flying near fucking airplanes, flying near airports, almost clipping helicopters. I mean, they're jerk offs. If if you have a near miss and it's not reported, okay, why would you post it? There was a guy over in I think it was Miami, Fort Lauderdale. He was flying along. He was flying along um, the beach, the ocean side, which I've done before. Okay, I've flown Palm Beach. No big deal. Okay, I've actually flown for Palm Beach uh, Police Department during search and rescue. Granted, it was very brief until the helicopter showed up. Then I had to get the fuck out of there. But uh, they asked me to do it for them. Okay, so I've flown there during the day and during the night. You're not supposed to fly a drone at night, but like I said, the rules are very black and white. And I'm actually looking into getting uh, 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 USB beacons for my drone. So when you you can see it. At a three out outside three miles, just almost three miles invisibility for this thing when it goes off. All right. Anyways, let me get to the point. You encounter stuff in the air all the time. It's your it's just like in traffic. In traffic, you have you encounter traffic. You encounter animals. You encounter cars, obstructions. You know, emergency service. Your job is to pay attention and get the fuck out of the way. Same thing with drones. Okay. Now, you already have to register your drone with the FAA. $5. No big deal. 
And the guidelines that were set forth are not from the federal government. They are actually guidelines that came from the AMA, community-based organizations. That's the AMA. Don't fly above 400 feet. Don't fly over crowds, even though that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. You know, you have two people standing there, and you're going to fly over, and that's considered a castle fly. How are you going to film events? How are you going to film weddings? You know, don't fly out of line of sight. Uh, Newsflash for you. Uh, my drone can fly um, on a clear day a mile and a half away, okay, with no obstructions and no frequencies. Some of these drones, the new ones with light bridge technology, they can fly two to three miles away, all right? So forget that shit. Plus, drones are small. They're very small. So it is definitely difficult. But you also have spotters, too, when you're on the job. Uh, so another, So on top of that, when you're flying, it is your job to be paying attention. But if it's a miss, the last thing you want to do, if you're, if you're passing by a helicopter that's doing 200 miles per hour and you miss it, and there's no damage to you and there's no damage to the drone and nothing's reported, don't post it on YouTube. Okay? Don't post that shit on YouTube. People see that, and then they report it. And then people report about it on YouTube, and then the FAA sees it. When the FAA sees it, it gets brought to the federal government. And then the voters see it, and they get scared because then they don't want drones in the area. So the voters decide uh, without any problem – without knowing the whole story. They just know that some jerk-off out there flew his fucking helicopter, flew his drone. In my opinion, he was definitely far out enough from, from, the, from the airport not be an issue. But he was definitely, without a doubt, within five miles of the, of the airport. And it was not a small airport. It was either – uh, uh, Palm Beach Airport or Fort Lauderdale, and I believe it was Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale is a big airport. All right, you need to pay attention. Okay, especially during the daytime. If you're flying during the morning along the ocean side, it's a little bit easier. It's a little bit quieter. It's easier to focus. So, with that being said, he posted on YouTube. Stupidest thing you could have ever done. I think he eventually took it down. But what a dumb decision. You realize how much how bad that makes us look? I'm taking precautions, obviously, as well, because I'm, tr- I'm currently studying here and there for my FAA 107, which allows me to fly commercially. And it will also give me uh, – which be going forward, I'll probably have to have my FAA 107 if I were to fly my drone at all. But as long as I'm part of a community-based organization like the AMA, which I will be joining for 75 bucks the first year and then $50 after that, as long as I'm a part of that organization – I'll be much better off. I'll be safer because the drone's already registered. I'll have all the proper paperwork with me, and as long as I have that paperwork stating I am part of an AMA, uh, I'm part of their group, they accept me, and I'm following their guidelines, I'll be okay. No worries there. And to keep and to, and to protect my hobby, as long as it's allowed to remain at least a hobby, and following the community guidelines, it's an extra fifty bucks. Fuck it, I'll do it. I'll do it. Okay, because that is that little freedom that we get to have our drones and fly them because the last thing you want is to lose your airspace okay now these guys but but these these jerk offs that fly near helicopters the guy who took the air uh, took the airport he flew to the airport and he watched an airbus a380 take off and he wasn't far away and it was authenticated he was right by you don't do that don't go near fucking airports the guy made a right turn he could have easily made a left turn. If he made a left turn, he would have blown your drone right out of the sky. 
And let's just go for the worst, the, the best case scenario. He turns left, hits your drone, no damage to the plane, nobody gets hurt. Well, you probably are flying, you, sir, are probably flying a DJI Mavic or a Phantom 4 or an Inspire 2. Or maybe a unique Typhoon Wave. Well, we'll go with something a little more mid-range. Well, chances are you just blew an $800 piece of equipment out of the sky. If you were flying a Mavic or a Phantom 4, you just lost probably about a, uh, about seven or $800 worth of gear because you wanted to watch the plane take off. What the fuck's in the point in, pu- in filming something that you can't post on YouTube because you'll get in trouble anyways? Why would you post that? It's unusable material. It's like taking a polygraph. It's fucking useless. It's not admissible in court. Why would you do it? Okay? I've, I've done – I've flown, you know, in places I shouldn't have, and I still kind of do sometimes. You know, I'm a f- I like film. I'd rather ask for forgiveness than for permission. But I'm a very responsible flyer. I don't just throw my thing up and hope everything works out. Shit can happen, you know? But they do this, and it makes us look bad. And if I do have a near miss or a situation like that, I don't go and be like, dude, you never believe that happened. You check it on YouTube. No, you don't fucking do that. That's dumb. It's very irresponsible. You want to make yourself look as responsible and as well in your cinematography look as pretty as possible. You don't want to show near misses and things like that. And the guy, I believe, that almost clipped the helicopter, from what I understand, I was told at the AMA event with the model airplane, this guy was a Southwest Airlines pilot. And thankfully I met these guys because they took me under their wing and they, they definitely supervised, helped me supervise the whole day getting all their footage and stuff like that, and now I'm really close with a lot of them, and I look forward to doing way more work with them. You know, and it, they hear me put, and, and I've told them honestly, they know, I told them, go look, go back and look at all my footage, look at all my vlogs. They can see everywhere I've flown, whether it was legal to fly there or not. You know, back then it was kind of a gray area. There are definitely restrictions about where I flew, but I'm not going to freaking take anything down. You know, when the new guidelines come in, you know, we'll go from there. But right now, the, the FAA is not going to do anything. But shit that does – people that are posing a imminent threat to the air to, to, to airspace, they will be addressed. And any complaint that is sent to the FAA, the FAA has to follow up on it. So if it wasn't near miss and the pilot reported it or a civilian reported it or an authority reported it, the FAA has to follow up with it. Okay. Now, as far as tracking the drones and stuff like that, I don't know. I don't know much about that yet. As far as like jamming equipment and things like that for airports, I, I'm not sure. I'm, I, I'm guessing that those things are probably being tested and stuff like that. But for the most part, uh, these are commercial devices. Drones are being are commercial devices. They are pieces of equipment. They're tools. They're cameras. Okay, they're great because th- they have a camera that can reach where my camera on the ground cannot. Okay, I got a Sony on the ground with a proprietary microphone, you know, and all the gimbal stabilizing stuff. But I can't throw that thing up in the air 400 feet and get the shot that I can get with my drone. And it's not a piece of shit ca- uh, camera that's on this drone. It's a 12 megapixel sensor, which is the same exact se- uh, sensor that's in my Samsung Galaxy S9 Plus. Okay. It has all kinds of aperture settings, isolation settings. Um, it shoots. It, it can shoot up to 4K at 30 frames per second. I shoot in 1080 at 60 frames per second, which is cinematic. If you don't know the difference, 24 frames per second is when you go to see a movie. 
you you're seeing 24 p- still frames per second. I'm shooting in 60, so if I slow it down, I get more I get a more fluid look. So that camera can do that. And it has a built-in SD card and it's transmitting what it's seeing to me in a live 720 feed through my phone, through a tablet, all that stuff. And it can stay up there for between 20 and 25 minutes. In high winds, well, 12 to 15 mile an hour winds. So it's a piece of equipment, and I take it seriously. This is my second drone. This one has a zero crash record. None. It's never tipped over. It's never landed hard. Never hit anything. I've never even lost a prop. Okay? It's a tool. This camera is a tool, and it's a very valuable tool to me. And when I go full FA-107, I intend to use this tool to make myself some money and to create great cinematic shots. And I invited all those guys that I met at, at week 94 down in Plum Island, which I've flown before. If you go back to week 57, it was called One Year Ago, or I did a tribute to my father. I've flown there before. People are fast. Some people are scared of drones, but if you introduce them to them – if you introduce, like if you see people coming up, first of all, know where your drone is. Have a blocker. Your blocker is basically your person that's spotting, basically. But definitely talk to these people. These people are curious. Okay, you don't just fly drones. Because first of all, the one I fly is a little annoying. It's a little louder. It's called the Phantom 3 4K. The Phantom 3 4K uh, in, in sport mode with no GPS because n- all the new drones have GPS locking. So they don't just float off. You know, they don't just, you know, go take off. You hit the button, and they literally go there and sit there and hover in the air, and they wait for you to tell them what to do. They're very, very intelligent little things. They're well-built. They're very lightweight, and they move fast. But if you if you are negligent with them, they are dangerous. Those props will fuck you up. But if you have people that are curious... You land that drone as soon as somebody has questions. You go, Lem- hold on, let me bring it down, and then you can take a look at it. And now you have them locked in. Now you have their attention because, number one, you're talking to them. Number two, you're answering their questions. Number three, what's coming to them, you they can audibly see. They can well, audibly see. Jesus Christ. They can, uh, they can hear it. They can see it, and then they can look at it. And then when you shut it down, you can show it to them. You can be like, okay, the props aren't going to turn on. Don't worry. That button, you, unless you hit this button, nothing's going to happen. Here, you show it to them. Maybe you let them hold it. You show them how the camera works. And they get fascinated by it. And then you tell them about the camera. And you tell them why this is such an important piece of equipment. And you tell them the history behind it. Well, it started with RC planes. And it started with RC planes and these guys. Well, those guys, you don't realize, a lot of these guys are airline pilots. They're airplane enthusiasts. You know, they're mechanics, they're technicians, um, they're private business owners, and they use these as tools. Well, you have to learn how to use the tool before you go and ma- try to make money off of it. And I've been a, a responsible hobbyist. I'll be a, a bit of a maverick at times with where I choose to fly for since 2016. And I, it's important that because those people vote. I believe Larry Roper said that. He goes, those people vote. Okay. The people that are watch they were at the event at week ninety four to watch the planes go by. 
the people who see the drones or hear about them on the news, they vote. So if we treat them like shit or we ignore them, they're not gonna they're not gonna look upon us favorably when they go to the polls. And since the FAA has already reset the guidelines, we need to be extra careful about what we do and how we interact with the public. Because the truth is right now that you can't fly in state parks. Excuse me, not state parks, national parks. You know? I went to Big Bear down at the Rio Grande. Can't fly in Big Bear. And it's fucking huge. I could fly across the border into Mexico. Into Mexico, no problems. No restrictions whatsoever. None that I know of. But into the mountains at the, at the national park? Nope. Can't do it. Absolutely not. I even asked ahead of time. Still couldn't do it. New Hampshire Motor Speedway. I'm not FAA 107. Couldn't get a waiver. But then again, I didn't ask to. Most of the work, most of the fun was on the ground anyways. But the thing is, is there's so many ins and outs. And, and these guys that I met this weekend, they're very passionate about what they do. They truly enjoy it. They're dorks at heart. They, and the fact is, is they already brought, three of them brought their own drones. One person bought a Mavic Air. Another person bought a unique Q500, which is a very cheap drone to buy now. You can buy one for about 300 bucks. Um, and they're very good drones. Um, and then uh, Johnny Yaz brought his Mavic 2 with the Hasselblad cam. He says he loves it. Um, me personally, if I was to get another drone, I'd maybe get a Mavic. Uh, simply just a stand standard Mavic because it's a little more portable. It has a great battery life on it and has a very nice camera. So I personally would probably go for a Mavic. If I needed to save a little money, I'd go with the Spark. problem with the Spark is it only shoots in 1080 at 30 frames per second. I like those extra frames. Frames. Excuse me. But be as it may, I literally met them that morning. I got there early, watched them get set up, started making friends, started shooting. And they eventually at night, they had me, they invited me for dinner. And it was great. And then I, I, sh I shot the film, I shot the video, I, I finished the video by uh, Monday evening, had it up by Monday evening, and, and literally I went to bed and woke up the next day with to all kinds of praise. And I was getting phone calls, I'm getting emails. It's another testament to how I'm utilizing this business of mine, how I'm working really, really hard to show off my content and my skills. And I guess it's, it's how I choose to network. By showing up with a camera and going, where do you need me? How can I help? I want to film this and make you guys look good. What can I do? And it's working. It's really beginning to work. You know, And uh, I'm going to keep doing it like this. So Facebook, thankfully, with their new events category, we can go and look what's available. That's, a, that's good. Their timeline is still shit, but their events thing, if you go and look, there's a lot of great events. So there's no such, there's no excuses of not having anything to do. Now the thing is, is it allows you to go out and actually talk to people and meet people and see things and do things. It's not like you're going somewhere. It's not like Facebook is telling you to go somewhere to be on Facebook. It's Facebook telling you to go somewhere and interact with people and do stuff. That's cool. That's okay. Because obviously Craigslist couldn't pull that off. And Backpage definitely couldn't. Well, they had you meet people, but for different reasons. But it worked. And it, I'm into it. And I like that. Granted, it, granted, Facebook's probably collecting a shitload of metadata, but it's the price you pay for essentially a quote-unquote free program. Um, we're at 47 minutes. Uh, I want to talk about two or three other things. Um... 
yeah, like I said, I mentioned Hero Pubs earlier. I have eight vlogs with Hero Pubs. Eight. I've done eight episodes with them. And we've been on a lot of adventures, and eventually uh, I'm going to have Laura Barker sit down here, I think. I'd like to sit down and have us go over for maybe an hour, an hour and 20, or two hours, depending upon if I can pull it off. Uh, sit down and talk about how it all got started and get all get it all on camera. Record it all via audio and video. And attach that to a, a documentary of how we all got together and how it all got started and what she's doing going forward and however she designs it and we'll put it together and she wants to do it and her, her husband Ken was really supportive of it and it'd be great because it's something I believe in. I think it actually is legit. I, be, I know it's legit. And I would love to you know have my first documentary be about the circus. So hopefully down the road um, you may see something like that. Um, chicken and eggs. <laughs> I'm going to mention this. I, I'm sorry. This is a huge freaking left turn from what I was talking about. So, a lot of people eat chicken. A lot of people eat egg. But, I want to mention something. Just a quick side note here because I am kind of a, a nutritional hobbyist. When you see eggs that say vegetarian, you know, free range, vegetarian fed, things like that, you have to keep that in mind. Chicken and egg. Chicken or eggs. Chickens are the most susceptible to soy. And what I mean what I mean is if men or women consume more than the, uh, a certain amount of soy, okay, large amounts of soy, if you're eating a lot of chicken, what happens is it will, it will dramatically increase the amount of estrogen receptors inside your body. So if you have too much estrogen in your body and not enough testosterone, your body, your 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 men, your men, you mentally are going to change. You're emotionally going to change. You're physically going to change, and it's not for the better. You have to have balance in your body, and soy is a huge fan of estrogen. And when you eat eggs or you eat chicken that is vegetarian fed, well, what the fuck is vegetarian? It's soy, soy feed, and when they f and chickens are the most susceptible to soy, therefore. What you're eating is essentially a very high soy protein-based animal, and you will be taking in a, a lot. You'll be creating a lot of estrogen receptors within your body, which is going to hurt your metabolism, which once you hurt that, it changes everything else. All your hormones go out of whack, and it fucks up your whole system. So keep that in mind when you're, when you're eating chicken or eating eggs. Even if it says free-range, organic, uh, uh, veg-fred, veg-fred, eh? Veggie fed. Because if it doesn't say soy free, I would avoid it. Okay? Or, you know what? Right now, just don't eat freaking poultry at all right now. Unless it's soy free. Stick with red meat. Okay? A little bit of pl uh, definitely get your vegetables. Heavy plant based. Uh, seafood, obviously. Pork. Pork is cheap. And these animals, those an those other animals like red meat and pork, they're not as susceptible to soy as chicken is. So you can eat those other animals and not th have those negative, not really have those negative effects. So I highly recommend you pull back on the poultry and the eggs and gear yourself more towards these other products. And I bet you you'll feel a hell of a lot better. Okay. Anything, any type of soybean oil. Okay. Any type of soy lecithin. Anything that has heavy lecithin-based fillers in the food, you want to avoid that shit too. 
any vegetable oils, get rid of that as well because that's all soy-based as well. It's fucking terrible for you. As uh, seed oil, basically. Okay, Avocado oil, olive oil, coconut oil, go with that shit. That's way better for you. Anything that's veggie or canola, ditch it. Butter, butter's fine. Do butter. Margarine, no bueno. So that's my little nutritional rant for the night. I'm going to end on this. Uh, I think it's important that I say something about it. I'm going to try my one one more sip of coffee. What happened last week at Capitol Hill is scary for several reasons. Now, whether you think Kavanaugh is dead is guilty of sexually assaulting uh, Christine Blasey Ford, or if you think he's innocent or whatever like that, okay. Let's just go back to basics here. Got to slow down. A man was accused by a woman that many years ago. He sexually assaulted her. Was there any evidence that was there enough evidence to have this become a trial, put this into a trial for him to be indicted, for him to be actually accused and put into and brought to trial for rape? And the answer is no. This woman was brought to she was brought to Capitol Hill, swore under oath. Okay, and then that was an extra week of hearings. Then on top of that, an additional three to five days of FBI uh, investigations. There's a lot of back and forth about who they should have or shouldn't have interviewed, but there was additional eyes on the project. And after the, the shit that FBI the FBI has pulled, they probably were really smart and uh, careful when it came to this situation. But Innocent until proven guilty, and we seem to have kind of lost that. All right, you have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that somebody actually did something, and you need evidence. And when you don't have enough evidence, that person is not guilty. That person is innocent. And you can't compare this to OJ. Different animal. Okay. That was that was a failure of the prosecution in many forms, and plus he hired billion billion million dollar lawyers to defend him. But that it cost him, it cost him his youth. That's for damn sure. I don't have any other opinions of Kavanaugh. He's probably just a frat boy, you know. But going back all the way to his yearbook and stuff like that, I don't see the point in it. At the end of the day, he's scarred. At the end of the day, Christina Blasey Ford, she's exactly where she was before she went to Capitol Hill. Whether she's telling the truth or lying. She's still where she is, and that's that. Nobody is uh, better off for it. So, But what's happening right now on social media, there's a lot of division. It's only dividing us even further. I- I'm on Twitter, obviously, at POS Sarcasm on Twitter. My buddy John uh, Chertoff, he's also on Twitter as well. I'm not going to call him a Democrat. I mean, you could, but I'm not. He's just—he's more of a civil liberties guy, okay? He's definitely civil liberties based. That's his thing, and that's important, and he should be. Civil liberties are part of the triangle that keeps the house together, 
So the house divided against itself cannot stand. And right now the house is divided. And what I feel like right now is I, I'm, you know, how, the, how I tweet and how I retweet, I think it's important to realize that right now they're really trying their best to divide us. It almost, I almost feel like they're trying to p- make pit Turcotte and me against each other. Like literally they want us to be at odds when we go to the polls, when we have conversations. It almost feels like they want us to be mad at each other. We're not. We're friends. We have you know, we, we we shoot video together. We play Mario Kart together. You know, we chat all the time about things. And I just feel like, you know, he's his pri- he has he's also a, a, a father of two kids. He's married to the same sweetheart from high school. He's got a full, you know, he's got his gig and he's got a big ass house, his second home. And I've got my stuff going on. Our priorities as far as political stuff or liberties and life and shit like that, we're just we have other priorities. But it doesn't mean that we're against each other, and yet I feel like social media and the political atmosphere, a bunch of fucking babies, they're not getting along. On the left, and certainly on the right, the right's way too fucking stubborn, and the left is completely out of their goddamn minds. And it and if you see the leaders of our country acting this way, then it's setting a bad example for the rest of us. And we're starting to act like it too. Now, can I blame it all on the man at the top of the hill? You know what I'm talking about. No, I can't. That's You don't do that. You don't pull that Cain and Abel shit. I'm not going to blame my problems on him. My problems are my problems and they're mine to fix. I owe everything I do to myself. But it would be an absolute shame that because of everything that we've done, all the things that we tr- strive for and believe in, that the fucking political system would try to, I, how I feel like, pit me against somebody who I consider now clo- a close personal friend of mine. We've never had disagreements. Not really. We've had some on Twitter and about the new Star Wars, which was shit, by the way. But we're friends. And I don't want this to turn into a fucking civil war, which I know it will. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, I'm drawing swords against somebody who I've shot movies together with. And I don't want that to happen. And I've got nothing against, and I believe in everything that he believes in. It's just that I have other priorities in front of his, and he has other priorities in front of mine. Because we're different people. And I hope that this whole thing doesn't turn into one goddamn national riot. So, if there's one thing I can impart to you, ignore everything that's going on in the news channels. Turn it off. Put your fucking picket signs down and start trying to fix problems in your own lives. The more you do that, I think the better off you'll be. And the more you'll appreciate the hard works of your neighbors. John, if you want to discuss this further, you're always welcome in my studio. You can sit down anytime. Because you and I are buds, and we're not going to let shit on Twitter or on Capitol Hill stop us from doing the things that we want to do and the passions we have in life. You can fucking take that to the goddamn bank. My name is Jay. You can find me on Twitter at POS Sarcasm, Instagram, positive underscore sarcasm. Positive underscore sarcasm. You can find me on Facebook.com slash positive sarcasm. Hit subscribe and like on YouTube, positive sarcasm. Check out all the weeks. I'm coming up on week 100 real fucking soon. 
Sorry, I got a little edgy. I got a little excited there. But I got a lot more stuff coming up. I'm working on some things. And if you have any questions, you can contact me, positive sarcasm at outlook.com. You can also contact me through my website, positive sarcasm.com. If you want to donate to the cause, support this setup, support my my collaborators and all that jazz, paypal.me slash positive sarcasm. Or you can just click the donate button at the contact page at positive sarcasm.com. I appreciate everybody who's listening, everybody who's chatted with me, everybody who's helped me get to this point. You've all been fucking great. I appreciate you all for listening and subscribing and being a part of. Fucking put down your cell phone, make a phone call, or show up in person. That's what living your life is all about. It ain't about a 10-cent raise. It ain't all about the $200,000 job. It's all, it ain't all about happiness. It's about meaning. Go find your meaning. You'll be a better person for it. If that makes any sense. And fucking Christ, I hope it does. I'll talk to you guys hopefully next week. If not, if I'm on vacation, it'll be the week after that. I love your faces. This has been a positive sarcasm presentation.